We welcome you into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Investments in U.S. manufacturing are on the rise. The same is true in the automotive manufacturing space. With the lesson of COVID and supply chains mostly in the rearview mirror, both the U.S. government and the private sector opened their proverbial checkbooks, having identified the need to bring more of that manufacturing back to American shores. However, turning on quality manufacturing isn't as simple as flipping on a light switch. That fact leaves OEMs and their suppliers facing similar headwinds. It all starts with the tight labor supply. This is a realm where the highest bidder often wins in the short term. But attracting the next generation of toolmakers, material managers, and floor operators for the long haul is a heavy and necessary lift. That's especially true given in the auto industry where 45% of workers are 45 years and older. But making that investment will eventually allow U.S. manufacturers to become more efficient, an area where the U.S. lags behind much of the industrialized world. Thomas Koval, president of Serif North America, is a manufacturing and automotive expert. He's seen these issues up close. With two decades of manufacturing and automotive experience, Thomas has not only launched multiple facilities, he's doubled the size of some plants. Today, he discusses everything from reshoring, the impact of EVs on manufacturing, as well as Serif's new award program that recognizes best practices in manufacturing. Thomas Koval is my guest today on this week's episode of Automotive Insiders. There are many big challenges facing clients in the automotive industry, and we're going to walk through some of those challenges right now with Thomas Koval. How are you, Thomas? I'm very good. Uh, greetings from Monterey, Mexico. Well, it's great to talk to you in Mexico today. Let's let's go through some of the issues that are front of mind for the industry. Uh, we'll start with labor availability. There's a real problem here, and it's been talked about now, obviously, for um, for the last couple of years, uh, difficulty staffing at plants and at the production and the management level, and of course, a lot of high turnover rates. Tell me about the issue with labor availability as you see it. Yeah, no, thank you. Yes, had many discussions with clients regarding this, and it's, it's a difficult situation because there's twofold. Yes, definitely coming out of COVID, um, labor was a constraint, and uh, and uh, but now we're starting to see a little bit more stability there. But the problem was we saw in most factories, uh, and even at the headquarters of several suppliers, you, I would say, almost across the board, you saw almost a hundred percent turnover inside of the factories. Wow. Yeah, which is huge. And not just operators, because of course it became a competition around town. Whoever increased the salary a little bit, the operators moved over there and you started to see shifts and not just obviously operators, material planners, supervisors, um, and so forth. And so uh, with that, you starting to see a very normal inefficiency. So when you're launching a factory from from the ground up and you're having brand new operators when you're doing your business case you calculate that in the beginning the the you're less efficient the problem is for us today that in the united states we're about 30 percent less efficient in manufacturing so it's not just automotive we see it across the board um inside of uh, aerospace inside of medical device inside of uh, um, uh, military as well or, or weapons producers as well so we're struggling with that. We've seen a huge turnover. 
And then what ends up happening if you're a if you're a plant manager or a head of an operations, the first thing that you do is that you're under a lot of pressure. You need to fill that supervisor role somebody has left. So you promote an operator that has been a great operator. You promote them into a supervisory role. Now you don't have time to train them. There's been a huge lack of training and development during, um, during the pandemic. But also in general, in automotive and manufacturing, we've reduced a lot of the training and development of, of uh, in, inside the factories. We've cut those costs out. So you take a supervisor, uh, an operator, you make them a supervisor, you don't really train them. Uh, they don't have the leadership skills nor the skill set to actually drive key performance indicators on the floor. They're a great operator, great person, energetic, but don't have the discipline. Uh, and so you start seeing uh, KPIs come down and you start seeing additional turnover because the operators can see that management is not under control. Um, same thing when you look at uh, inside the office, material planners have changed over a lot. So um, you have a new material planner that comes in. Somehow they haven't ordered material because the scheduling agreements are incorrect and and. Uh, and now the operators are standing there waiting to run and then getting yelled at because they're not producing fast enough. So mm -hmm. it just creates a, a, a bit of a circle. But I do think we're starting to see a bit better stabilization now. So my gut feeling is in the next six months, we're going to see improved efficiency. Um, however, there's many things that are going to come in here after that with the transition to EV uh, and additional launches uh, uh, due to moving um, suppliers back to North America that might create a bit of a curveball here again. But yeah. So we're going to talk about electrification in a second, but I want to hit on two important points relative to labor. Amazing to me, 45% of the auto industry is over 45 years old. Yeah. And one, and there's, a one-third increase, 33% increase in the number of employees per vehicle produced among automotive suppliers and OEMs. So given those two factors, what solutions are there for companies out there that are facing labor availability problems? Yeah, I know this might sound corny, but we have to make it attractive and exciting again. I'm not right. saying that we need to go on and do TikTok shorts and Instagram <laughs> shorts, but maybe there is some to that. You know, if, if, if back in the day, your parents might have worked in manufacturing and you'd shown, you know, if you go back to the 70s and 80s, you knew what that was about and, and so forth. But today, there's not as much. And I, I don't think people understand that inside of well-ran operations today, it's lit, it's uh, temperature controlled, it's clean environment, it's safe environments. It's, I think personally, in my own journey, um, starting off on the factory floor um, at a tier one in, in Chicago, I loved it. It was exciting. You had opportunities to grow pretty quickly and learn. So I started in material as a, as a supervisor in a logistics area, but had opportunities to grow and learn into material planner and so forth. And I think that's what a lot of uh, people are looking for today. And I think the automotive and manufacturing has that to offer to, to, uh, 
to people. So that's that's one uh, one area. Um, and I think that we need to do some marketing and promoting even from higher levels in regards to media. I mean, we now know that um, that we are investing more as a country. So from our government, money is being allocated towards manufacturing to build in the United States again and so forth. And, uh, and with those investments, hopefully we can also make the uh, working environment um, even, even better inside of the suppliers and the and the OEMs it's not just suppliers OEMs have had huge turnover as well so, right yeah. exactly second big challenge we just touched on this a moment ago impact of the shift to electrification what's the problem there what's the solution <laughs> yeah I know this is going against the grain on some areas maybe if we look at it EV and or General Motors and Ford they're all in you got Toyota and Stellantis a little bit more cautious Stellantis just uh, uh, I think announced there that they're looking at about 50% EV in North America by 2030 so um, there's no question that there is going to be a shift inside of these factories uh, which will be exciting and, and skill sets needs to be developed and trained. It's really nice to see the amount of investments that are going in towards this. But at the same time, as we're making this shift, we also need to invest, uh, invest in the people. But what we're going to see is there are going to be suppliers that are going to say, I'm, I'm just making an example, making a, some type of ice or, or gas component um, they're not going to go away immediately. They might slowly but surely scale down a little bit. If you have experience in that area in, in components that make uh, for ice, that doesn't mean that you should just immediately jump over to EV. We're going to need those folks for quite some time. It's not going to die away immediately. But what it's going to do is it's going to cause some factories to have to close down, some being moved over and consolidated. But it is exciting for the industry um, just in general. Uh, so for, for, for us as Seraph, we're spending a lot of time right now uh, in the space of, um, of, of moving plants and changing plants and launching plants. We still see a lot of tier one companies launching new factories for this new technology. So if you're willing to move take one move over to from one state to another or from one uh, company to another i think you will be absolutely fine throughout this transition and it's going to be exciting so final issue is a geopolitical one we know that geopolitics shapes manufacturing it it has through the years countless examples where are we today uh what's the biggest issue that you're uh looking at right now and and maybe as the as the U.S. government has made American manufacturing more of a priority, uh, that has set off a, a chain reaction of other things. What are those problems and solutions? Yes, and I think the last couple of days listening and, and seeing in the media some very strange things are going on and, and ramping up. And I'm not going to claim that I know um, everything that our government is doing or, nor what's happening um, uh, with China. But there's no question, even before the, uh, the spacecraft or whatever it is that's floating around up there, even prior to that, um, there's been a huge push in regards to risk mitigation. Um, all the tier ones, the OEMs, spent a tremendous amount of money on premium freight, 
uh, during uh, the pandemic and the costs were enormous and, and there's got to be ways to mitigate some of that risk and mitigate some of that cost and one of those is to bring back manufacturing to North America so we're really seeing that pressure um, on on uh, suppliers to to uh, localize again and I was uh, at breakfast here this morning I met a large tier one head of purchasing and I was quite impressed they've already localized about 80 percent uh, of their suppliers and I think we're going to continue seeing that but with that we're going to have to get better at efficiency in manufacturing and uh, what really makes me excited as well is when I was a plant manager we got together with other plant managers and we looked at who was doing the best uh, continuous improvement projects in the logistics and quality and so forth and we would share those ideas to improve uh, the efficiency inside the factories and improve just um, spark something new and exciting inside the factories that would somehow have a better impact on bottom line. And uh, so recently we just launched a, a Seraph Operational Excellence Award. And uh, the main reason for that is to get people to see what are best practices out there. How can we elevate the industry? It's going to be plenty of work for all of us right now. That's not the question. Everyone is extremely busy. It's just how can we actually become better and more competitive? And that comes back to the geopolitical situation as well. If we are going to bring back more manufacturing uh, to North America, we have to get better at it. We're not, we've lost through the last 30 years, we've lost of that tool making designers, uh, um, steel, um, so forth. There, there's a lot of areas for improvement. Yeah, we have to, we have many challenges to address in mm -hmm. automotive manufacturing. And I think you've highlighted efficiency, visibility, and promoting the industry to a younger generation. It's absolutely essential in order to make the industry, as you say, cool again. Thomas, thank you so much for being on Automotive Insiders and for sharing your own insight. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guest, Thomas Koval, president at Seraph North America. Thanks for listening to Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time. Mm -hmm.